0: There were two more murders, 15 miles away. When police arrived, arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Parenting is one of the biggest responsibilities a person can undertake during their lifetime. On October 30th, 2015, a couple was found guilty in the death of the daughter that they adopted. A girl who, once things got too hard they wanted to be unburdened of. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Maria del Rosario Porto came from a prominent Galician family. Her father, Francisco, was Honorary Consul of France. Her mother, Maria, a respected art history lecturer on on the university level. So Rosario, with a lot to live up to, started to study law at the University of Santiago de Compostela and working at her father's law firm after graduation. She would later claim she attended the London High School of Law in England, but once thrust into the spotlight enough for reporters to do some digging, the Guardian's researchers confirmed that this school does not exist. Regardless, in 1997, she inherited her father's position and became the newest consul of France. About seven or so years before her promotion, Rosario met the equally ambitious Alfonso Bastera Camporo, a journalist and native of Bilbao, and the two wed in 1996 and started a home in a very large flat given to Rosario by her parents. Things seemed to be going well for the power couple, and by 2001, they were ready to add a new member to their fledgling family and travel to China to adopt nine-month-old Yang Fang, who they renamed Asunta after they were back in Spain. With the birth rate in Spain plummeting, adoption rates rising, more than enough money, and a want to rescue a child in need, Rosario and Alfonso were happy to welcome the new little girl into their home and into their hearts. Despite the fact that adoption from China was, at the time, pretty unusual for the area, with Asanta being the first in Santiago, everyone who knew the family thought she was in some of the best hands she could have asked for. The couple was described as friendly, relaxed, patient, and understanding, and, coupled with their status, they seemed like the perfect candidates for adoption. When her parents arrived in China, Asunta was underweight and in desperate need of care. They made sure the malnourished girl gained a healthy amount of weight and had the best private doctors on hand for the series of ailments the young girl grew up to suffer as the years passed. All of the best for their little girl. As Asinta grew, she started to flourish, and by the time she reached secondary school, she was deemed so smart that she was able to skip a year. Her parents made sure to put her in all the best private lessons— learning four languages along the way, and in the most prestigious ballet, violin, and piano classes. The gifted child was pushed to greatness, not just by her family's expectations, but by the expectations she had for herself, excelling in pretty much anything she put her mind to. Then, devastation started to rain down on the Porto family. In 2009, Rosario spent two nights in a private psychiatric hospital after admitting she felt suicidal thoughts creep into her head and a constant need to compete with her own mother, who, according to the psychiatrist's notes, treated Rosario as if she was a bother. Two years later and seemingly back on track, she started to make plans to send Asunta off to school in England to help her daughter live up to her brilliant potential. Things began to crack further when, in 2012, Asunta lost both of her grandparents, Rosario's parents, with whom she was incredibly close to within seven months of each other, resulting in a soul-searching summer where Asunta went off with her nanny and godmother, while Rosario and Alfonso went off on their own separate vacation, only spending about a week of six together. The loss of her parents became too much for the couple's marriage. And in January of 2013, Rosario and Alfonso decided to separate, with Alfonso moving out of their opulent flat and into an apartment around the corner. Asunta, who was used to a connected family unit, now had to walk the short distance between her mother and father's home to spend time with them. The idyllic family, now in relative, shambles. Trying to maintain the fruits of her hard work, despite the destruction happening around her, Asunta spent the afternoon of September 21st, 2013, on the floor of her bedroom, with all of her study books laid out for her to look through. She had just spent the afternoon eating lunch at her father's new apartment with her mother, and for the first time in a while, their lives seemed to be slowly heading back on course. A few hours later, at 10.17 p.m., Rosario and Alfonso reported their obedient and reliable daughter missing. According to her mother, she noticed Asunta was missing and, not the sort to wander off for no reason, assumed she must have walked back over to her father's apartment. She called Alfonso and he said she had not arrived, so, assuming she must be en route to one of their homes, they waited a few minutes to see if she showed up. She never did, so they called a few of her friends, who claimed they had not heard from Rosenta in quite a while. After relaying all of this information to the police, Alfonso told Rosario to tell the police about the strange incident from earlier in the summer. According to Rosario, that July at around 2 a.m., she was woken by the sounds of her daughter's blood-curdling scream. When she rushed to her bedroom, Rosario was greeted by a man dressed in black, wearing latex gloves, and bent over her screaming child. Upon seeing Rosario, the unknown man ran out of the room, pushing her along the way. Later, they realized that they had left the keys in the outside lock of the apartment, and though they did not know the man, assumed he knew their family by reputation and knew about a safe box that they had containing thousands of euros in cash. Because break-ins were so rarely solved, a formal report was never filed. Just as police were starting their investigation, on September 22, 2013, the body of Asunta Yong Fong Bastera Porto was found lying on a bed of fallen pine needles, clad in mud-stained sweatpants, a t-shirt pulled above her stomach, barefoot and with bloody mucus coming from her nose. When police were called about the discovery, they knew exactly who the body belonged to. Asunta died just days before her 13th birthday and was found just a few kilometers from the family's country house. A trip to the coroner's determined that Asunta had died from asphyxiation and had at least 27 lorazepam pills on her the day of her death, more than nine times the dosage amount for an adult. Not long after being delivered the devastating news, police accompanied Rosario to the country house and, upon entering, told her not to touch anything inside as they were treating it like a crime scene. She agreed and told them she needed to use the bathroom. While there, she attempted to retrieve some items from the bathroom trash can, and when an officer intercepted her, they realized that she grabbed a length of orange rope that matched the pieces used to bind Asunta's limbs. Forensics were never able to determine if these pieces came from the same role, but her actions were enough to leave police suspicious. Realizing her disappearance was much more than just a 12-year-old wandering off to the streets. Police pulled the footage from the nearby cameras and a bank caught a glimpse of her walking in the direction of her father's home at around 2 p.m. And again at 5:21 p.m., heading in the direction of her mother's home. Minutes later, they saw Rosario walking home on the same footage. According to Rosario, she left her home at around 7 p.m., leaving Asunta to finish some homework and drove to the family's country house about 20 minutes outside Santiago. It was when she returned around 9.30 p.m. that she noticed her daughter was missing. Now, the bank footage, the one that seemed to corroborate Rosario's story, wasn't the only footage police were able to track down. Later in the investigation, CCTV footage was found in which you can clearly see both Rosario and Asunta at the gas station en route to the country house at around 6.20 p.m., thus completely contradicting Rosario's story. When told about the footage, Rosario changed her story and claimed that Asunta briefly joined her at the country house that afternoon, but she took her back to Santiago to do some homework. She said that she dropped off her studious daughter and headed out to a sporting goods store to buy something for Asunta's ballet class, but had to turn around because she realized she left her purse back at the country house. After going back to get her purse and stopping at a gas station only to realize she didn't have her discount card, she came back to Santiago and realized Jacinto was missing. The new version of her story made sense, but when police examined 33 different surveillance cameras around Santiago, none showed Rosario nor her car driving to any of the locations that she claimed. Creating their own timeline, police came to believe that Rosario and Asunta arrived at the country house just around 6 p.m. and that Rosario alone left the house at around 7 p.m. After a whirlwind of investigation, interrogation, and watching every single move of the supposed grieving parents, Maria del Rosario Porto was arrested while attending her daughter's funeral. Everyone who knew her was completely shocked. No one knew Rosario to be violent with her daughter, and to them, always seemed like a completely loving mother who pushed her daughter into greatness. But police weren't done shocking the community. Realizing Rosario was much too small to commit the murder on her own, Alfonso Bastera Camporo was arrested the very next day. While the community reeled at the news of their arrest, investigators started to hear rumors from those who knew the couple about their odd dynamic. According to some, Alfonso was a mousy, dominated man who did everything his wife commanded of him. But he also had a violent streak, and was known to hit Rosario when her attitude became too much for him to handle. Though there was very little in the way of physical evidence connecting Alfonso to the crime, these insights into his behavior seemed to be enough to convince the police of his guilt. Then came the testimony of Asunta's music teacher— who claimed that, in the months before her death, the usually cheery student showed up stumbling and oddly docile. Unable to read her sheet music or even walk straight, Asunta claimed she, quote, took some white powders and, I don't know what they're giving me, no one tells me the truth. In fact, on the Wednesday before her death, Asunta missed class with her mother writing a note and claiming that she had a bad reaction to some medication. When forensics tested her hair, three centimeters showed the presence of lorazepam. Since hair grows about a centimeter a month, they concluded that Asunta had been ingesting doses of the drug for at least three months. All of that, coupled with the fact that the lorazepam found in Asunta's blood and urine matched the main ingredient in Rosario's prescription for Orphidol, painted a pretty dark story. Police theorized Rosario and Alfonso had grown tired of the girl they, quote, bought almost 13 years ago. With rumors swirling around that Rosario had only recently reignited an old affair, police believed that the couple was tired of the responsibility involved in parenting an increasingly difficult pre-adolescent child. So they started dosing her with Orphidol to make her more malleable, shut off their cell phones to avoid being tracked, and set off to the country with plans to convince the world that someone had abducted and murdered their poor daughter. In the end, they were fully convinced that Rosario was the mastermind in the whole plot, coming unglued by the sudden loss of her parents and feeling overwhelmed by Asunta. After his arrest, Alfonso was placed in a cell right next to his wife and, unbeknownst to them, recorded while they spoke through the wall separating them. The tapes were eventually deemed inadmissible in court, but at one point, Rosario said, look what trouble your overheated imagination has got us into, to her estranged husband. He commanded her to be silent, having, in this moment, taken over as the dominant partner in their strange relationship. The trial began in October of 2015 with a jury who, like most of Spain, knew all of the details of the sordid case. The prosecution insisted that the pair spent months devising a cold-blooded plan, with Alfonso being charged as an accomplice in his wife's murderous plot, while the defense attempted to explain away the orphadal, which became the most damning evidence during the trial. It was later revealed that Alfonso had obtained at least 175 pills, some legally and some not, over the course of just 10 weeks. And how Asunta had at some point been forced to swallow at least 27 ground-up pills on the day that she died. Neither parent could explain why so much medication was in her system, claiming only to give her medicine that treated hay fever when she appeared to be dizzy. After three and a half days of deliberation on October 30th, 2015, Rosario Porto and Alfonso Bastera were both found guilty of murder, and though they maintained their innocence were sentenced to 18 years in prison. To this day, no one quite knows why the couple decided to kill their daughter, and probably more importantly, why they adopted her in the first place. Many claim Alfonso never wanted kids, and that they may have adopted to appease Rosario's parents and their view of what a stereotypical family looked like. And, like most things in Rosario's life, she wanted something and simply went out to buy it. She didn't think of the responsibility it took to raise a child and when Asunta fell short of her wild expectations, she took away her life. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on October 31st. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.